Well, good morning, church. Uh, such a beautiful song, isn't it? It's got to be one of the all-time great songs. Uh, thank you, Praise Team, for leading us in that. Uh, we are glad that you are here. I'm so thrilled that you're with us this morning worshiping. Today is a very uh, special day for me, and I hope it is for you too, because today is the first day of the Christmas season, of the Advent season, uh, of us leading up to the time of Christmas, of Jesus coming and joining us in the flesh, of God incarnate, God here with us. So I hope today is special for you. I hope that today will be a blessing to you because today we are blessed. We are uh, commissioned by God to join together and to worship this God who is here among us. And so I hope that you feel God's presence here with you, here with our community. I hope that you feel God's presence as you leave today and as you go out back uh, to lunch, uh, to life groups tonight, uh, maybe to watch football, even though the Cowboys aren't playing. I hope that you feel God's presence with you. Well, as we get started in the Advent season, I do want to explain a little bit about what Advent is. Uh, Advent is something that in Churches of Christ we don't always recognize. We don't always celebrate it. We don't always talk about it. But Advent is a wonderful opportunity for us to do a couple of things. And so today uh, we're going to participate in the Advent uh, season. We're going to participate in the theme for today, which is the idea of hope. But this hope is grounded in the entirety of what Advent is all about. Because Advent reminds us of a couple of things, it asks us to do a couple of things, and then it commissions us as we leave this place. And so I want to talk about those three things that I think will be uh, really important and foundational for our message of hope today. The first thing is that Advent, this time of year, reminds us that Jesus did in fact come among us, that a person existed named Jesus, that this person was born as a baby, a a child and that this child was God in the flesh. See, Advent asks us to remember, it asks us to look back and to recall that Jesus really was here, that Jesus was among us. But it does a second thing too, because it asks us to remember, but it also asks us to anticipate, to look forward to a time in the future when God will be here again, when, when Jesus will return. The, the second coming is, is what we often call it. It's, it's this idea of parousia. Uh, in fact, it's, it's where the word Advent comes. Uh, Advent is simply the Latin word for coming, for Jesus returning, for Jesus coming back among us. And so at first, Advent asks us to remember that Jesus did come. And then second, it asks us to look forward and anticipate, to get excited about the time when Jesus will come again. Well, Advent does a third thing too, and this might be the, the best thing that Advent does. Advent reorients our life. It totally changes everything about our day. Now, you might not have realized this this morning when you woke up, but today is a great day because today is the first day in the Christian calendar. Today is the first day of the year. It's, it's not January 1st, even though we celebrate New Year's on that day. It's actually today. For the Christian, today is the start of, of our time. It's the start of how we count our time. It's the start of our year. It's the start of of everything about us today, of all days, is the day that we begin to do these things, to remember, to anticipate. And today, we begin to orient and change our lives around everything that is to do with Jesus. So this is the Advent season, and today we are focusing specifically on hope. Uh, What is hope, and what does it mean for us? What are we to do as believers, as we anticipate, as we remember, as we reorient our lives? What is it that we are going to do as we celebrate together this season of time, this Advent season? 
Well, as we enter into that, I want to read a quote to you about uh, what we are doing today. Uh, this is a quote that comes from a Christian teaching uh, long ago written, uh, the author lost. But this is a, a beautiful quote, and I hope that you'll uh, follow along on the screen behind me. It says, when the church celebrates Advent each year, she makes present this ancient expectancy of the Messiah. For by sharing in the long preparation for the Savior's first coming, the faithful renew their ardent desire for his second coming. By celebrating the precursor's birth and martyrdom, the church unites herself to his desire. He must increase, but I must decrease. And so that's what we're doing today, and that is, in fact, what our hope is centered in, that we as people, as, as the center of our lives and the center of our own attention, will decrease, but that Jesus will increase, that through Christ we will begin to see in our world more and more of the love, grace, compassion, and hope that Jesus brought, that, that when we gather together, when we encourage one another during these times, that what we will do is that Jesus will increase. There'll be more of Jesus in the room, and there'll be less of our selfishness, less of us, and more of him. So today we are talking about hope, and, and of course, hope is this wonderful topic. It's this beautiful idea that the world is going to be better than it is now. But just as grace is an indictment, hope, too, is an indictment of our world. Because in our world today, if we were to have hope that things are going to get better, that things are going to change, that, that perhaps we are going to change, we must admit that things aren't the way that they should be. And if things aren't the way that they should be, then things aren't going well at all. And so hope, while it's this beautiful, wonderful idea, is also an indictment of the way things are today. To have hope is to say things aren't right. To have hope is to say that we want to see something different. We want to see God's working in the world, and we want to see it now. We want to see it every moment of every day. So hope is an indictment, and it reminds us that there are opportunities for us to live differently, to change our lives, to, to orient ourselves around Christ. Uh, hope is this wonderful idea that I, that I mentioned. Uh, and, and what we do when we hope, the things that we are able to think about, uh, the things of, of making the world better, of, of bringing Jesus closer to this world, of offering the love and grace and forgiveness of, of Christ, th those kinds of things, when we are able to participate in those, they help us to see the world more clearly the way that God had created it. And so when we hope, when we join together as believers in this Advent season and participate in this, we must also pray that God will come quickly. For all around us, we can see that things aren't the way that they should be. We know that it's an indictment. We know that we need God to be present with us. And so when we think about the things in our own lives, when we think about the things that, that might limit us, that might keep us away from God, the things that, that we might call sin, the things that perhaps even other people have done to us or are still doing to us, we have hope that those things will decrease, that Jesus will increase. Are you, are you beginning to see why this hope is significant? Why this hope is meaningful? Why it matters for us to talk about it today? Because each one of us in this room, each one of us, if we had the time, we could each tell our story. And I bet our story would have need of this kind of hope. That we would want to say, God, come and work in our lives. Come and change the things that have happened to us or the things that we have done to ourselves that even we don't like about us. 
God, come quickly. Jesus, come quickly. This Advent hope of things changing, of things becoming better, of things becoming the way that God originally intended for them to be. Well, that brings us to our passage for today. Uh, dur- during this time of season, uh, we are going to be looking at several different passages, and I'm so thankful to the maze for reading from Psalms and, and from, uh, uh, what else did you read from? I just blanked. Jeremiah, thank you. Yes, I assigned it. I should remember that. Uh, but thank you for reading for that. We're going to read a couple of other passages today during our sermon time uh, because these are passages that help us to remind uh, ourselves of this hope, uh, of the, the idea that Jesus did come, uh, of the future that Jesus will come and bring, and how we can orient and change our lives around it. So if you've got a Bible with you today, please turn over to the Gospel of Luke chapter 21. We're going to be reading here in just a moment, but before we do, I want to mention that in this passage, Jesus is going to do a really, really great Debbie Downer impression. Are you familiar with Debbie Downer? Do you know? Oh, Debbie doesn't like that I'm calling it Debbie Downer. Negative Nancy. Nancy doesn't like that I'm calling negative Nancy. Uh, But are you familiar with this type of person? This person who uh, looks at a situation and always sees the worst in it. They could look at a beautiful, bright day like today and say, well, it might be bright here but it's raining somewhere else. They might look at a a, a situation in their life and they might see only the bad things, only the negative things. And we're going to read a passage today and we might be tempted to think that that's what Jesus is doing. But I think if we look a little bit closer, we'll see that Jesus is expressing this hope, this desire to see the world a different way. He's even expressing a little bit of judgment along the way because if we are to be hopeful, we must see that what we are hopeful for is not the way things are right now. So let's read for a few verses here out of Luke's gospel, the 21st chapter, and we will start in verse 25. Jesus says, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth there will be dismay among the nations in their confusion over the roaring of the sea and the surging waves. The planets and other heavenly bodies will be shaken, causing people to faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world. Then they will see the human one coming on a cloud with power and great splendor. Now when these things begin to happen, stand up straight and raise your heads because your redemption is near. Okay, we're going to pause there for just a minute. We'll return back to this passage and read a little bit more. But to set it up a little bit better, what goes on in this passage is Jesus overhears a conversation between two Jewish leaders. And they're having this conversation about what is the future of the people of Israel, the Jewish people. What is the future? What's it going to look like? And they center upon the temple. They begin this conversation by exclaiming and and wondering aloud at how beautiful and amazing the temple is, how wonderful it is that this is God's home, this is God's house where God dwells. And they remark about how wonderful it is that they have created such a place for God to live. Well, Jesus, of course, overhears their conversation, and I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. He basically says, well, one day it's all going to be a pile of bricks which isn't exactly the same sentiment that these two people were talking about. They were wondering about the majesty of the temple. And Jesus says, well, someday everything's going to fall apart. It's all going to break apart, break down. Uh, Why even care about the beauty of it? So Jesus enters into this passage with a little bit of negativity. But I think if we look at this passage we've just read, especially at the last verse, verse 28, we see that Jesus has a tremendous hope for the future. He says, look, your redemption is near. Yeah, he's talking about the destruction of the temple. Someday the temple is going to fall apart. It's going to fall down. People are going to come in and they're going to, they're going to knock it down. But look forward to the day when the human one, the son of man, 
the one who God sends. Look forward to that day, because on that day, your redemption is near. I really like the way that C.S. Lewis, uh, not C.S. Lewis, Eugene Peterson, they're very similar in that they are wonderful Christian authors, Uh, but Eugene Peterson talks about this passage, uh, and he actually wrote a translation called The Message Translation, and he took this passage, and and he said that, that this verse, that your redemption is near, it should be translated today in our language as help is on the way. And I think that's wonderful. I think that's a beautiful sentiment, that beautiful communication of what Luke is trying to say here. Help is on the way. And isn't that hopeful? Isn't that hopeful? Isn't that the kind of thing that we need in our lives? I know it's the thing I'm going to need tomorrow morning when I wake up and it's Monday. Help is on the way. Isn't that the kind of thing that we need when we look around and we see things that we don't like in our world? When we see people calling each other names and and, and categorizing each other, when we see people uh, being rude and mean to each other on social media, when we see people doing it face-to-face, when we see people all around us hurting and anxious, people who are dealing with depression and anxiety, Jesus says, help is on the way. Jesus is inherently hopeful. He's got this great idea of this future that's going to come. But he knows that this future that's going to come is going to need us to participate in it as well. So let's read and continue to see what Jesus has to say in these following verses. Picking up in verse 29, it says, Jesus told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, you know that God's kingdom is near. I assure you that this generation won't pass away until everything has happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will certainly not pass away. Take care that your hearts aren't dulled by drinking parties, drunkenness, and the anxieties of day-to-day life. Don't let that day fall upon you unexpectedly like a trap. It will come upon everyone who lives on the face of the whole earth. Stay alert at all times, praying that you are strong enough to escape everything that is about to happen and to stand before the human one. So Jesus gives the disciples, he gives these people that he's conversing with, these Jewish leaders, he gives them a task. And he says, if you're going to participate in this hope, if you're going to see the help that is coming, then you need to live in a way that is prepared. Don't be caught off guard. Don't fall into the trap of thinking everything is all right because the human one is coming. The world is not the way it should be. But there is hope because God is here in the flesh, and God will return again to make all things new, to make all things right. I I often think about Jesus being a poet, Jesus being a romantic, Jesus being an idealist. And and certainly in this passage, we see a little bit of Jesus uh, looking at the way things are and and, and condemning them, uh, judging them, and saying those aren't the things that are going to last. Those things are going to pass away. But I often think that Jesus is a lot like a poet. He's a lot like an idealist, like a a romantic, perhaps. Because Jesus is able to look at the world, and he's able to see that there are times and there are futures coming when things will be made well again. At the beginning of this passage, he simply tells them a parable. Well, look at the trees. Look at the leaves. All of creation speaks about this. All of creation wants us to see and to understand what God is doing in the world. That God is providing help, redemption, 
hope. But you see, for that hope to be realized, for that hope to come about in our world, it does require us to join with what God is doing. And perhaps that's why you're here today. Perhaps you are here because you are interested in knowing what it means to join God. Today, December the 2nd, 2018, what is it that we are going to do to join in with what God is doing in the world? Well, just as Jesus is this romantic and idealist and and this romantic poet, so also we find in other places of Scripture, other parts of the New Testament, this beautiful way that we can join in to what God is doing. I think of a place like in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, Paul does this in many, many different places, but Paul certainly does this in 1 Thessalonians as well. He prays for the disciples. He prays for the followers of Jesus. He prays for those who have come to know Christ. And he tells them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, May the Lord cause you to increase and enrich your love for each other and for everyone in the same way as we also love you. May the love cause your hearts to be strengthened, to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all of his people. Amen. Do you see what Paul is asking us to do? Do you hear it? Do you hear him echoing the call that Jesus gives to his disciples? Help is on the way. There is hope in the world. God is doing something right here and now. Paul says, may your love for one another increase. To me, that sounds an awful lot like Jesus increasing and us decreasing. Our selfishness, our brokenness, the things that make us who we are, those things fading into the background, and all of a sudden, the love that Jesus has for us coming forth. Jesus, Paul, the other New Testament authors, they want us to live in this way that is inherently hopeful that asks us to to live together, showing the world why this hope matters, why help is on the way, why we believe that Jesus not only came, not only that he will come again, but also that we are willing to stake all of our lives on it, that we will orient everything about us to this Jesus. Help is on the way. But that help is waiting on our love. That help is waiting on us to grow in that love. For us to take it upon ourselves to say, no, things aren't the way that they should be, but we want to help make them better, the way that God would do it, the way that Jesus did it, the way that one day it will finally be done totally and finally. Today is all about hope. And so that reminds me of a story really briefly. And I'm going to tell you selfishly a story uh, that means a lot to me, but I hope that it will come to mean a lot to you as well. This past year, uh, my wife, Rebecca, and I were blessed uh, to begin to be supported, uh, not only uh, uh, for me as a job, but also Rebecca in her ministry. She works with a nonprofit called Our Father's Children. And the goal of this nonprofit is to work with kids in the DFW area, uh, all over North Texas, who have been abused and neglected. Kids who don't have a lot of hope. Kids who don't have a childhood the way that many of us remember. Kids that don't have a childhood the way that many of us would want them to have a childhood. And so we've been blessed. This church has uh, agreed to begin to support us, and we're very grateful for that. And so selfishly, I want to tell you a hopeful story that comes from this ministry. 
Uh, they've been working in this ministry now for about 20 years, and Rebecca has joined them on uh, staff this year. Uh, but over the past several years, we begin to see uh, a lot of wonderful, amazing things happen. Uh, one thing that I can think of specifically is that over the past 20 years, they've served a lot of different kids, thousands of children. Now some of those children that they served in the first beginning years have grown, and they're now adults. And a lot of those kids are beginning now to come back and serve as counselors, as volunteers, uh, as people who want to make an impact in others' lives, because they experienced it for themselves. They saw what it was like, what, the meaning that it had that somebody would take a few days, a week, a weekend, that they would keep up with them throughout the year and simply invest in their lives. And so now they're coming back and they're trying to do that for others as well. To me, that sounds a lot like our selfishness, the things that, that define us, our brokenness fading into the background, and the love of Christ coming forward. Well, one more thing that is certainly amazing and, and worth mentioning, too. Uh, over the past several years, we've begun to see many of the other volunteers, uh, people who, uh, who have been blessed in, in the way that they've grown up, have had wonderful, loving families uh, who have uh, opportunities that maybe others in the world don't have. They've looked at the situations of many of these kids, and they've said, it's not enough for us to just do a week of camp. It's not enough for us to keep up with them uh, once, a, once a week throughout the school year. We want to do more. And so some of the volunteers have begun not only to serve as volunteers, but also to adopt and foster these kids so that they can change their lives, so that they can change their circumstances, so that they can change the way that their lives will end up. It's a beautiful story of us fading into the background and the love of Christ coming forth. I thank you for allowing me to selfishly tell a story that means a lot to me, but I hope that you'll see the beauty in that kind of story. I hope that you'll see the beauty in what we have an opportunity to do at this time of year, to provide hope in a world that is filled with people who need it. Perhaps this room is filled with people who need this hope. And so this Advent season, may we remember that Jesus was here in the flesh. May we anticipate a time when Jesus will come again. And may we give all that we have to changing and orienting our lives around Christ. This is the hope of the world. It's waiting on our love. This morning, we're going to offer a time of prayer as we do every week. Our elders are going to gather around the room, and they would love to spend a minute praying with you. Perhaps this holiday season is particularly difficult for you. Perhaps you're missing someone. Perhaps uh, someone is, is not going to be coming home who you would love to have home. Perhaps you're uh, in a situation in your own life when you just need prayer. Our elders really would love to pray with you. They would uh, covet that time with you. And so we invite you to come and spend some time with our elders in prayer. If you want to join this story, if you want to join in the hope of Christmas, the hope of the Advent season, if you want to become a follower of Jesus, I would love to talk with you about baptism and about how you can fully dedicate your life to this. Would you please come and do that while we stand and worship together?